uh, in Romans chapter 10, 9, 10, 11, we've learned about a special place that Israel has in God's overall plan. He has, a, he has Israel there as a light to the world. You wouldn't believe it. Right now they're not a light, but they've been a light. They, they brought the law. Their prophets brought hope. I mean, God sent, forced a Jewish prophet named Jonah to go up to Nineveh and uh, to, to warn them and to, to give them a hundred extra years. And so they were a light in the world. They were an example of faith. Uh, Israel is a great place in history of what it means to live by faith, but also as an example of what it's like to live in rebellion to God and to sin. And they're also, they have a special place in that they were the means by which a Savior came into all the world. Amen. So this section that we're looking at explains a lot of the background of the history in the Middle East. <clears throat> we know why the Arabs and Jews don't get along. We understand the battle over the land because we studied our Bible. But 9, 10, 11 explains the background of every problem in the Middle East today. But in chapter 9, we learned about the special place the Jews didn't have just in God's heart, but in Paul's heart. And we're going to carry that on in tonight in chapter chapter 10. Then we looked about the special place of the Jews in God's plan. And then, I said last week, two weeks ago, the opportunity that is open to all people everywhere has now been open to uh, because of the Jews' failure to get saved and to receive the gospel, it opened up to the whole world. We'll see that more in chapter 11. Now, <clears throat> in chapter 10, I love this verse. I think this is a breathtaking verse. Chapter 10, verse 1, Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So I want to talk to you about burdens. Here, Christians have to get a burden, starting with Israel. <clears throat> Israel, as you remember, was a nation of religious people, but they were lost. If anyone should have been okay with, with God, it should have been the Jews. They should have been right in there with God. They should have walked up to Jesus, and things would have been, should have been perfect between them. But they were not okay, were they? They were so not okay that when Jesus came, he wept over them. He looked at Jerusalem, and he says, Do you even know that I'm here? They weren't ready for him, and they rejected him. Israel was, was a nation of religious people, but they were lost. Now, Israel is just a nation that is lost. They're not even religious. And the need is for Bible-believing Christians to care about those who live and die in darkness. Do we even care? Now, we struggle just to get to church, and I think that's a sin. If it is hard for you to get off of your butt and get into the car and get to church on time, we're doomed. Because the real burden ought to be getting out of our comfort zone and going out to the world and giving them hope, giving them the gospel. If it is just hard to get to church, you're never going to go nowhere. But if church was easy, and if reading our Bible was, was, was uh, routine, and if prayer was instant, wow, we could be really dealing with burdens, really carrying the gospel into the world. The world needs Christians to care. We need to get burdened. Do you know the Apostle Paul, you know what he was doing his entire life from the day he got saved? Three days later, I mean, he's, he's uh, praying and his, uh, uh, his, his eyes are blind. He can't go anywhere. And for, for three days, he's just praying. Praying over and over, Lord, I'm so sorry. Lord, I'm so wrong. Because he was. 
He was this perfect Jew, but he was perfectly lost. When he got saved, as soon as he got his sight, he went to the synagogue. He went to the Jews. He opened and he alleged and he convinced them that Jesus was the Christ. He just hit the ground running and all his life, from prison to shipwreck to island to 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 uh, to Rome, everywhere he went, he had a burden for Israel. We need to get burdened. And a burden is a great word. A burden means to weigh us down. And, and when I talk about weighing, I mean something that's just heavy on your heart until you do something about it. You understand what a burden is? You just get, you, you hear of somebody's trouble they're going through and it just stops you and you say, what, are, what can I do? That's a burden. All of a sudden you say, how can I help? You want to help lift the burden because you want to take the burden on you. And we need to have that. We need to get burdened for the salvation of sinners. We don't need to just do it. I'm all burdened. I'm burdened to get people out on a Saturday. But that's not going to win the loss. You know what's going to win the loss is when those that go out on a Saturday or whatever day you can take out a gospel track and give it, is that you're burdened. We need to be burdened that somebody gets saved. That the... that that our mouth gets used for good and that people believe the gospel. We need also to be burdened to pray for God to use us to see people saved. I need to not just go, but I need to ask God to go with me. That is incredible. I believe a burden is the best motivation. Soul winning is not a job or a duty, but true soul winning is a craving is a thing that, you, it's, it's like you've lost. How many of you have ever lost your car keys? All right, everybody who has a car has usually lost their car keys. Okay, so do you remember when you found out you lost your car keys, could you think of anything else? All right, now, oh, forget this. How many of you lost your phone? Now we're talking. You couldn't think of anything else until you found your phone. You remember that? That's a craving. And that's a burden that's on you, I gotta find my phone. I got, am I talking to you? I gotta find my phone. I gotta, I gotta find my phone. Oh, where's my phone? If we would go looking for sinners, oh God, give me a soul. Oh God, give me a sinner. God, give me a chance to give the gospel out. That's a burden. And Paul had it. He says, my heart's burden, my heart's craving is that Israel would be saved. Do you have any good burden, burdens? I mean burdens that came from God. I know what other burdens are. You get a bill from the tax man. That's a burden, amen? <laughs> you, you know what? I'm not talking about those kind of burdens. I mean a burden from God. Those are good burdens. Verse 2 to 3, we need to learn that the Jews were and are blinded by religion. Look at chapter 10, verse 2. For I bear them record. I can tell you firsthand that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So there's a, there's, the Jews have their own righteousness, and guess what? It ain't good enough. They have their own religion, and it ain't good enough. Israel had a religion, but they were still lost in their sins. They still were not saved. They had a Bible. They had prophets. They had the temple. And yet they were lost. Did you know all people have a religion? Uh, it's a funny thing. You have people who say that they're not religious and that they're reading books about Buddhism. 
And it's funny. Why would they, and I have seen them, and you just, oh, I'm not religious. And they're reading about meditations and about, and about peace and rest. Everybody's got religion. Everybody desperately is looking for religion. And yet they're not saved. Not only did Israel have religion, but they had a zeal, which is energy. If you've ever watched the Jews, and I'm talking about especially the Hasidic and the Orthodox Jews, when they get to the Wailing Wall, it's like they've got Christmas. I mean, they run and it's like, this is, this is heaven for them. And they put out so much energy and they memorize vast portions of, of scripture. What they, they're all little bits and pieces of scripture. They are willing to look like nuts. They put great zeal into their religion when they have it, don't they? They have great zeal. But they're ignorant. Um, they are ignorant of what God's righteousness actually was. Guess, was God's righteousness in the law? No. God's righteousness is not in the law. God's expectations are in the law. God's righteousness is found in a lamb. Isn't that breathtaking? Now, to the Jew, they knew the lamb was required, but they demoted the lamb. As a matter of fact, in the temple, they were quickly, they were selling the lambs and making a profit off of it. They didn't realize the value of the lamb. They were all caught up in what they thought was the keeping of the law. That's righteousness. No, it's a fake. It's a fraud. You Did you know God's righteousness they, they was, is never obtained through the keeping of the law. Why? Because you can't keep it. So, Israel had not submitted themselves unto the righteousness, which is only by faith. Uh, in verse 30, go back to chapter 9 and verse 30, what shall we say then? The Gentiles figured it out faster than the Jews did. What shall we say then that the Gentiles, which followed not after the righteousness, with, followed not after righteousness, and yet have obtained, attained unto righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. And what you believe? That Jesus is the Lamb of God? You, you reach to a righteousness higher than the Pharisees just by believing in the Lamb. Amen. Amen. So the Bible-believing Christian works to get people's eyes off of what they can do. Amen. What do I have to do to be saved? Believe. Isn't that cool? And realize that they can never do enough and therefore need a savior. Otherwise, they remain damned. The Jews were and are blinded by the religion. Three. Believing fulfills all the requirements of the law. This is, this is why I got saved. This is why I love preaching the gospel. Because all the requirements of the law, which are infinite, are all attained and surpassed just by my belief in Jesus Christ. I actually succeed in keeping the law by not keeping it. Because Jesus kept it for me. Isn't that cool? And I just trust him. So believing fulfills all the requirements of the law. Look at chapter 10, verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for all the righteousness you need, for the righteousness to everyone that what? All right. Oh, well, pastor, shouldn't we keep the law? Yes, but you will fail. Well, pastor, isn't the law good? Oh, the law is perfect. But I'm not. I am carnal, sold under sin. I will not and never can ever expect to not sin. I can go time without it, but the longer I go, the prouder I get and the more I find myself back in sin. <laughs> I'm doomed without a Savior. 
Um, the requirements of the law are unfillable. I wanted to make that word up. Here's another good word, unkeepable. Here's another word, undoable. Not perfectly. And yet here, as we read verse 5, for Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law. Here's the righteousness of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. You understand how hard those words are? Right, you want to have the law? You must live by every one of them. James says if you offend in just one of the points, oh, well, I've never committed adultery, I've never stolen, liar, I've never lied, now you're really a liar, I, but I have coveted. James says if you've offended in one point of the law, you've actually broken them all. So, the requirement, Paul Moses says, if you're going to try to live by the law, you must live by every single one of them. Verse 6. But the righteousness which of faith speaketh. You ought to circle that word. Speaks louder than works. It speaks on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. It's not far from you. It's not so hard. It's even in thy mouth if you would speak it. And in thine heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, what did that four words say? Thou shalt be saved. You know what the problem is in, in the Western world? Most people don't want to be saved. They don't worry about being saved. But those are the most precious words in the entire language. Thou shalt be saved. Verse 10. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness just by belief. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference now between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that what? Oh, so what do you have to do to be saved? Him. Look at verse 12, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'll just stop there for a second. The requirements of the law were unfillable, but faith speaks much louder than works. Amen? Isn't it true? Isn't it amazing that somebody may be over here trying to keep the law and they look so prim and proper? They look so religious. They look so good. You ever watched a Mormon? You ever talk to a Mormon? I tell you what, they'll tell you, I haven't sinned in 12 years. <laughs> what? You talk to an ascetic Jew and they say they keep the law when you can point out they haven't been circumcised, they haven't done this, they haven't done that. But they'll say it, all of this stuff. Listen, what we believe speaks louder than all of their works. Uh, the Jew thought that the law was the means to the end, which was in the presence of God, but they missed the point of the law, which was the need for the Lamb. And Christ, however, is the end of the law. That's why the Jews hate him and hate us for following him because to them, Jesus ruined everything. Hallelujah. Amen. When you really read that Old Testament for what it says, it will terrify you as a Gentile and as a carnal Gentile. And you'll just shout and dance and sing and praise God going, it is finished. Christ is the end of the law. So if a person wants to go by the law, they have to do it completely. You can't just pick and choose which one. Well, I like this law, but I don't like that law. No, you have to live by all of them. And if you live this way, you will fail. 
you will fail. Does that mean you shouldn't even try? Oh, that's stupid. No, of course you should try. Those are the ways to live. It is right to work six days and rest one the seventh. It is right to tithe. It is right to not steal. All those things are right. But that's not a way to be righteousness, righteous or obtain righteousness. It's not a way to get right with God. It's a way to live safe and a way for society to live. But if you try to live that way, you will fail. The good news of Christ is the word of faith, not the word of the law. You read the law and it's like a hammer against you. You read, you read about faith, you'll go, I can do that. Amen? That's why Jesus was surrounded by people who were broken, who, who, who were crippled, who were sinners of the worst kind, who were, uh, harlots that had been exposed. They had, there was no hope for a harlot to ever be married. There was no hope for a harlot to ever be known for anything except harlotry. And there they were hanging around Jesus. Why? Because faith. They could, they didn't have to live up to anything. They could just believe on this guy. The good news of Christ is simple, twofold. Number one, openly confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, when you see him as Lord, you will crumble at his feet and you'll say, I am a sinner. That's repentance. I'm, I'm worthless. Uh, I am not the boss of my life. I am a puppet under the dominion of the devil. And I now submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and I believe in my heart that Jesus is alive. Though he were dead, he's alive. I, I can, I can uh, uh, believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. The greatest message that the, that the disciples and the Christians of the first century preached was the second coming of Christ, right? No. It was tithe and you'll be blessed. No. What was the message that turned the world upside down? Jesus is alive. And you know, once you believe that, God says, done. You're in. The good news is for all people, not just the Jews, thankfully. Um, let me get my verse here. And uh, verse 9, let's read it again. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, verse 10, for the heart, verse 11, the scripture says, whosoever believeth, and then he makes it very clear. There is no difference between Jew and Greek. But the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him for whosoever. I'll never forget when John Cranford said, put your name in there. For if Craig Ledbetter shall call upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. I went, okay. (laughs) I said, can I do it right now? And he said, yeah. And that's when I slid out of my seat. I was at his kitchen table. And I got down on my knees. Didn't have to tell me anything. And I just started crying out to God. And I said, God, I don't understand this, but I believe it. And it's, it's, it's for everybody, amen? You know, a Jew can understand that, but so can us Gentiles. Hallelujah. Verse 14, the good news about Jesus must be delivered to the world. Verse 14, if that's such good news, how then are they going to call on him and who they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So people are born with a general law written in their hearts. They know it's wrong to do a lot of things, but they don't know the Lamb of God. 
And so somebody's got to go and tell them about Jesus. And this is how the gospel works, okay? The gospel works where people have to believe. Can anybody be saved by being born a Jew? Can anybody be saved by being born in a Christian home? Can anybody be saved by doing good works? No. Now you're understanding it. People must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. That's why Paul and Silas, beaten beyond recognition, they should have been crying in a, in a lower prison. They should have been weeping and wailing in pain. And they were singing. They were singing hymns and praises to God. And all the other prisoners in there heard that. And when the earthquake occurred, those prisoners said, I ain't going nowhere. The doors are opening, but I'm staying here. I like what they're singing. And as, as the, the Philippian jailer ran in there and says, guys, guys, I don't understand what you're saying, but I, I, I know I don't want to go to hell. What do I have to do to be saved? What'd they say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Well, how is that Philippian jailer ever, how would he have ever gotten saved if God hadn't put his two servants in prison? Did you ever think of that? Why does God let you go through the trouble you go through? Probably for somebody who's watching you. Somebody who'd like to hear you sing. So people have to believe. And to believe on him, they got to hear about him. Amen. Your co-workers got to hear something about Jesus. You hear about Christ, they need a preacher. Now, that doesn't mean a pastor. Too many people think, pastor, you go right ahead and preach. <laughs> You're doing just fine. No, no, when he says preacher, he means a soul winner. Open your mouth and declare the gospel. To hear about Christ, somebody needs to open their mouth and say something. And for a preacher or a soul winner to take the message, he must be sent. And I like that last verse at verse 15. How are they going to preach except they be organized, prepared, trained, and pushed? <laughs> That means to be sent. That's how the gospel gets out there, folks. Did you notice that God says the feet of the gospel preacher is beautiful in God's sight? I kind of like that. Um, why, why would feet be beautiful? You ever looked at your feet? Don't look at your feet. Don't even look at your... Never mind. Uh, but God says the feet of a, of a gospel preacher is beautiful because it is with... The feet that they gospel, not with the internet, but with the feet, God takes the gospel from person to person. Do you know if I asked you tonight, how many of you got saved on the internet? Very few of you. Now, I'm glad somebody gets saved on the internet. I know people have been saved watching stuff on the, I hate to say it, the God channel, because I don't think he's there. But some people hear the gospel on the TV. But do you know how most people get the gospel? Somebody, one-on-one, giving them the gospel. Use your feet. Every Christian in Ireland needs to have the goal of getting the gospel in all, all the world by their feet, which means by getting off their rear and going. Amen. So what do we need to be going right now? How do, how do, what do we need? We need to get a burden. And that means tonight I'm going to ask you to surrender to what God is, to do what is necessary. You know, when you say, Lord, I want to be filled with the Spirit. You know what you're asking? I want to, to hear your voice. I want to sense your heart. I want to know what you want me to do. That is how you get a burden. And that's by, and God doesn't just talk to you if you won't, if you have determined already you won't do something. 
So when you, we need to be willing to say, Lord, I want to be so filled with the Spirit that when you ask me to do something, I'm, I'm, I'm surrendered to do it. I will submit to it. I'm ready to go. Secondly, carry the gospel with you. That means take tracts with you. You know, the most grieving thing I experience is I'll go all day without giving out a gospel tract. But you know what's funny? This is, this is really painful. That I'll go all day, a couple of days, I will allow giving the gospel tract anywhere. And then I'll go start, start talking about somebody I'll reach and I didn't bring my tracks with me. What, what happens? I, rule number one, be prepared. Take tracks with you all the time. Carry the gospel with you, all right? Actively go out of your way, just like the, uh, the track a day challenge. We put a card in there, and I don't think half the people knew it was in there. There's a big A5 card that says, did you give out a track today like you promised? <laughs> put that on your mirror while you're shaving, ladies. No, I'm sorry. Men, when you <laughs> put, <laughs> never mind. Anyway, put that somewhere that'll remind you, I've got to be active. I have to proactively carry the gospel to somebody today. Learn this Bible. Learn the gospel. Learn something good to from, from the Bible to say to somebody to give them faith in Christ because that is going to, that was, is what was going on the entire first century. They were hearing the gospel, learning it, and then actively carrying it all over the world. Now, not everyone, not everyone believes the gospel. Look there in verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Isn't that sad? How many of you, when you first got saved, or maybe you got the courage after you got saved to go to your parents, or maybe go to a family member, go to a family reunion, and you just gave the gospel out, and everybody went, do you remember that? And you thought everybody would get saved. I remember going to school. I got saved in June. I was so excited. We had a missions conference, and I, I knew God called me to be a missionary. And I, I uh, uh, started school off. I was my senior year in secondary school. And I remember, oh, I already had some friends that I tried to witness to. And I can tell you some bad stories about that. That didn't go very well. But when I went to school, I thought, certainly everybody's going to want to hear the gospel. And not one of them did. <laughs> it was weird. And I said, don't, don't, don't you want to know? And they walk away from me. Well, here's the sad words. Look here in verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the end of the world. But I say again, did not Israel know well, first Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation will I anger you. Now, not everyone believes the gospel. Now comes the realization, not all Israel believe. Hey, what did they have? They had the very Son of God giving them the gospel, didn't they? And they didn't believe it. So next time you give the gospel and somebody goes, eh, realize that's just the way it is. Not everyone's going to believe the gospel. Salvation by proof, is not forced on anybody. Amen. That's the reality. If the gospel is so powerful, shouldn't everybody get saved? No, they have to believe. It's up to the person who hears it, 
Faith comes by being receptive to it. I hear you, Ledbetter. I'm following you. Yes, I agree with you. Yes, I believe it. If that is not happening, it's because they don't want it. And that's the reality. When somebody doesn't receive it, it's because faith is never forced on anybody. Not even on the Jewish nation, who were elect, by the way. Faith comes by hearing the word of God and must be acted on. You know, when it says faith comes by hearing, it means receiving it, accepting it, believing it. And you get that from the word of God. So here Israel heard it all. They were without excuse, and they still are without excuse. It is even recorded in a Jewish book. The gospel is all recorded in a Jewish book called the New Testament. Amen? <laughs> and it's gone into all the world. There's, there's, every Jew, you know, what? one of the top, Discussion points of every Jew is, we're not going to talk about Jesus. <laughs> you go, that's so funny to me, because you know what they talk about? Jesus. Oh, well, he was a heretic. Isn't that funny? God has them so stirred up that the one person they don't want to talk about is the one person they usually talk most about. So the gospel has gone to all the Jews, whether they want it or not. So if you ever give the chance to give the gospel, can I talk to you about what you don't want to talk about? <laughs> Try that approach. I never tried it, but it sounds good. Can I talk to you about what you don't want to talk about? Israel has heard it all, and they have. Have they not heard? And yes, the Jews have heard. But Israel did not know what was happening. There in verse 19, did not Israel know? For Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation will I what? I'll make you Jews angry. What's the foolish nation? It's us. Us. We're just crazy enough, foolish enough to make them upset. And why would God want to make a Jew mad? (laughs) Because that's the only way God would ever get them to get saved. Provoke them to jealousy. How come you know more? I've actually had the privilege of witnessing to 13 Irish Roman Catholic priests, and I've had two of them say, how come, actually more than that, but two of them I remember who said, how come you know more than I do about the Bible? Amen. I said, it's not by accident. I just read the book. And you can read it too. But the point is, when you're talking to a Jew, you can provoke them to anger. But Israel didn't know what was happening. I want to take your Bible, go to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. Luke 19, 41. When he was come near, he beheld the city, Jerusalem, and he what? Was it a burden on Jesus that Israel would be saved? Was it a burden on Paul that the Jews would get saved? It ought to be my burden that the Jews get saved. He wept over it, saying, If thou, if all of you hadst known, even thou, Jerusalem, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Wow. Take it to another verse. Uh, go back to chapter 12 in Luke, verse 56. 12, 56. 12 and verse 56. Ye hypocrites, Jesus speaking. You can discern the face of the sky. You can tell the weather. 
and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern the time? Do you, you don't seem to be able to tell that God is working on you. Uh, one more. First Corinthians 2. First Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 6. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6. <clears throat> How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Talking about the Christians. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. So we don't use the wisdom of the world, the fancy talk of the world. We don't use the government and the, the, the ruling powers of this world because they all come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Here's a great truth. When, 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 when you start giving the gospel to somebody, guess what? They have no idea what you're trying to do. They have the law written in their heart. They know that they're a mess. Everything is in place, but they need you to patiently open their eyes. They need you to patiently win them. They do, they do not need you going, man, why aren't you getting saved? <laughs> don't be impatient. And don't, don't get frustrated and don't write them off. Because like the Jews, too many people, and I talked about it this morning, have written off the Jews saying, well, they killed Jesus. They don't get, deserve another chance. Are you kidding? Israel didn't even know what was happening. They'd close their eyes. And you kept closing your eyes. I didn't get saved the first time somebody gave me the gospel. Did you? Most people don't. And... Just because somebody says, I'm not listening, I don't want to hear it, doesn't mean they want it. They don't want to hear it. You know what they mean? Try again. Break down my wall. Prove me wrong. And we don't. We don't stay with it. The Jewish people still need to believe the Lamb has come. Romans 10, and we'll finish up. Verse 20 and 21. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. Back to Romans 10.20. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Talking about us. I didn't go looking for God. Yet I found him. But to Israel he saith, All day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Let me show you the sovereignty of God. Are you ready? What kind of people does God offer salvation to? Yeah, I know you say all, but what kind of people? According to that last verse, disobedient, stiff-necked, wicked, uninterested. All day long, he still keeps offering. He still That's the sovereignty of God. He still keeps offering. I'm glad God is so sovereign that he goes out of his way to still go after those who don't want him. Amen. Uh, go to John 1.29. You know what they need to hear? John, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and he saith, Behold the law of God. No. What was, what was his excitement? You know, John the Baptist didn't get excited about many things. I mean, if you ate locusts and wild honey every day, every day for your adult life, not much would excite you, all right? <laughs> I guess something would. 
But when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We're back to our focus of chapters 9, 10, 11, and that is that even though the Jews reject God all the time, that does not mean that they should be allowed to just go to hell without us loving them and warning them. Amen. And that goes for your family too. Just because they've rejected you and rejected the gospel over and over, does that mean you should walk away and say, well, then go to hell then? There's a, there is an evangelist, you might know him, Carl Hatch, or know of him. Carl Hatch probably won more people to Christ in, in one week than I'll ever do in my life because he just lived to give the gospel out every day, all day. But he was with a preacher one time, and the pastor said, Brother Carl, we're going to go witness out here on the other side of the town. Well, when he got in the car and they drove, it was about 45 minutes, he's saying, why are we going all the way over there? He says, oh, well, I've, I've been so winning over in that area that we're passing. I did that about two, three years ago, and there was no real opening. There's not really, they weren't interested. I, I didn't get anybody out of all of those estates. So Brother Carl Hatch rolled down the window and he says, Go to hell! <laughs> That's Carl. And the pastor pulled over and says, What are you doing? And he's saying, You're driving right by telling all those people they ought to go to hell. He says, you want to go soul winning over there? He says, let's go. <laughs> now that's a very, the point is, when we just go on our way and we don't worry about people around us and we go, so-and-so is not interested and they'll never get saved and the Jews, they're too hard. We're telling them, just go to hell. Paul's saying, Isaiah says that's wrong. Isaiah says even God stretches out his hands to a disobedient people. So next time you see them at the Wailing Wall, or next time you ever get a chance to find out a Jew is there, tremble and say, God help me to win a Jew. Because the gospel belongs to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. Every Irish Christian needs to have the goal of getting the gospel to the Jewish people. How do we get the gospel to the Jewish people? Number one, submit to the will of God, which is to give them the gospel. Secondly, be desperate in prayer. Do you know Psalm 122, verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You know how the best way to bring peace in Jerusalem? Bring peace into the hearts of the people. Just said, preach peace. Number three, actively present Christ as Savior to the Jews we meet. Support someone who can reach them. My next goal is to support a missionary who is either going to Israel or is dealing with Jewish people. And lastly, send someone from amongst ourselves. Wouldn't it be cool? Somebody from Ireland went to Israel, started a business there, started preaching the gospel there. But let me say another question. Not only do you, how do you get to the Jewish people? I wonder if it's the same way. Oh, submit to surrender to the will of God. And that is to go into all the world. Desperately pray. If I'm praying for the peace of Jerusalem, I should be praying for the peace here in Ireland. Actively present Christ as Savior to everyone we meet. Support someone who can reach certain people we can't reach. Maybe it's people in Thailand or people all over the world. And hopefully one day keep sending out people from our own church to reach all people. Father, tonight we've rapidly gone through Romans chapter 10. And it really, it really has a great angle on it when we see Israel in it. Started with my prayer to God 
and heart's desire is that Israel be saved. It, it would be awesome if the Irish in this room would have the prayer that Ireland would be saved. It'd be great if people from Germany would pray, pray for Germany to get saved. That if people from Romania would pray, oh God, I pray for the people of Romania to get saved. Boy, it began with one man's prayer for Israel. Lord, I, I pray we open our eyes now when we read our Bible. God, that's, that's powerful. Sure opens my eyes to how burdened I need to be for all people. And tonight, we need to take a moment, just in the quiet of this moment, and say, God, I've not been so submitted to your will. I've not been active like I should be, I haven't cared. I haven't actually said it that I want anybody to go to hell, but I live it, and I'm sorry. So tonight, God, I pray, Lord, like Paul was burdened for Israel, I'd like to be burdened for Israel too. And I'd like to be burdened for all people. The people that I come in contact with, whether Jew or Gentile, I pray that I may be burdened. May we never only see one people group, but the whole world around us. Isn't it amazing, God, that you've brought the whole world to Ireland these days? Maybe it's just in time for us to have a revival so that we care about it. Lord, I do thank you for caring about us and extending your arms unto a disobedient Gentile like me. I pray that you would keep it up. Please love somebody through me now. In Jesus' name. Amen.